Good morning. Well, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, what a morning we've had so far. And it's great to be able to turn to God's Word and to learn about something that He has to teach us. We're currently in a series about the Holy Spirit, um, and we're in the third part of that series. The first week, Tim spoke to us about Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. The second week, uh, Russ spoke to us about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this week, I'm going to speak about the power of the Holy Spirit. But something that I want to do first, before I start looking at our passage for today, is I want to take you just quickly to John chapter 14, and verses 15 to 17. Because one thing that I want to get, get us to understand today is a fundamental truth that I think sometimes people forget. John 14, 15 to 17. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And if you're a Christian here today, then the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. There's no qualification. There's nothing else we can do. I'm really glad that Bernie got up here and said what she did this morning about the kids. That she became a Christian at six, but didn't know much about the Holy Spirit until after that point. Because for me, I've been a Christian for 27 years, and I reckon for half that time, I knew, I knew zero about how the Holy Spirit was living inside of me. I still had that power within me. That didn't change. But it wasn't until I actually realized that positively that it it positively had an impact on my Christianity. And so this morning, please hold on to the fact that as a Christian here today, we each have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Let's read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you, going at the, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. And this is where it gets great. Verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what we've just read there is um, the last recorded words of Jesus before he ascends to heaven. And I want to look specifically at verse 8 today. And there are two things that I want to say primarily. And the first is this. You will receive power. 
You will receive power. It's not ambiguous. This is not, um, it's not uncertain. It's not performance-based. If we quickly flick to Acts 2.38, Peter is preaching and he says this. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every person who is a Christian, the Holy Spirit will come and dwell within you and you will receive that power. I don't know what you think about when, when you hear the word power. Um, I trained as an electrician. I'm also a bit of a geek. So um, when, I, uh, when I think about power, I think of power equals current times volts. It's a, like a, you know, A-level physics or GCSE physics suddenly come flashing back in your mind. But the word power, you might think of something else. You might think of politics, like the balance of power has shifted, or uh, a sporting event, the, the, did you see the power through that shot? Or in a work situation, he's on a right power trip, isn't he? But the Greek word that Jesus uses is dunamis. And dunamis is the word that, um, that originates our word dynamite or dynamic or dynamo. It all sounds very dramatic. But the root of that word actually means to be able. Pretty simple, to be able. So essentially, the power of the Holy Spirit is enabling us to do things. The power of the Holy Spirit specifically is enabling us to accomplish things for God. And it's important to note right now that this does not always happen in a charismatic way. It's not always groundbreaking. Think about the persecuted Christians around the world. They have the power of the Holy Spirit within them, but they can't, at, at the click of your, their fingers, stop the persecution that they're in. What's happening is the Holy Spirit in them is enabling them to endure what they're going through, the persecution they're facing. Or think about someone who is an employee who has a nasty boss. The power of the Holy Spirit doesn't, their boss just doesn't disappear like, go, go and their boss is off, and they get a new boss. No, the power of the Holy Spirit helps them to work for God's glory. It doesn't change the fact that the boss is nasty. He can do. But the power of the Holy Spirit within that employee is to help them work to the glory of God. Uh, many of you know, 18 months ago, my sister died. She was 25, and um, she'd struggled with cancer for quite some time. And the world would say to me, wow, she was too young. She was robbed of her future. It must be a heartbreaking loss for you. And absolutely, all of those things are true. It was an awful period of time for our family. But you know what? The power of the Holy Spirit inside me enables me to cope with her loss. The power of the Holy Spirit enables me to praise Jesus for the impact that she had on other people's lives while she was alive on this earth. The power of the Holy Spirit in me gives me peace to know that she's now in heaven. 
There's no pain and there's no suffering. The Holy Spirit's not working in me in, in like a, an outlandish, charismatic way. The Holy Spirit is working in me just deep in my soul, helping me to deal with the things that I face day to day. We all have challenges every day. A lot of them are mundane. A lot of them seem insignificant. But can you imagine how difficult it would be if we didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit within us? Last week, Ben brought a word to us and uh, he was talking about Exodus chapter three and about how Moses uh, was, um, was herding some sheep for his father-in-law. Moses three, uh, Moses three, that'd be a good book. Exodus three. <clears throat> now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Fairly mundane. Moses was just looking after some sheep. If you'd said to him that morning, wow, what's God gonna do with you today? He'd probably have said, I don't know, not sure, I've just got some sheep to look after. But look at, listen to this. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. You see, through, through the insignificant, through the ordinary, through the mundane, the spirit of the Lord is at work. And we can read about that through loads of examples in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we can look at, at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. And this is where Samuel is anointing David with oil. And he says this, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Maybe you know the story of Samson and his unbelievable strength. And he was able to do that because the spirit of the Lord was on him. And then in Acts 2, we read about Pentecost and just unbelievable scenes. The fire that came down in that place and the tongues that people were speaking. Peter preached. Peter denied Jesus three times. He was weak, he was scared, and he was timid. Peter preached in Acts 2, and at the end of Acts 2, we read that over 3,000 people became Christians that day. The Holy Spirit was working in and through someone who the rest of the world would probably have given up on, but he made a massive difference to the lives of people around him because God is working through the circumstances that we are in day to day. I'm going to tell you a story about a friend of mine. A friend of mine was, um, was leading a local church. He was the minister of a local church in Bournemouth. <clears throat> and they had an international students meeting on a Friday night. And one evening, the, um, uh, a, a man approached the minister and said, you speak Chinese. He was like, no, I, maybe two words. I, I speak, say hello, thank you. The man went away. Next Friday, he came along. You speak Chinese. The man was adamant that he spoke Chinese. So the minister said, okay, well, look, explain to me the story. What had happened was that the minister takes little cards with him 
wherever he goes, to invite people to the international students meeting on a Friday. Just hands them out to people that he meets, petrol station, restaurants, you know, wherever it is. This one day, the, the, um, the minister had gone shopping in Asda, and he was at the checkout, and the Chinese man was sat at the checkout, and through various circumstances, he'd moved to the UK, but he was really depressed. And, and he was just, he had his head down, he was scanning the food. The minister was inviting him to the Friday evening meeting, and he said, you know, this is what we do, this is who comes, etc." At the end of the transaction, the minister turned to the next person and said, I'm really sorry, you know, I've just been waffling along and sorry it took so long. At this point, the Chinese man looked up in awe because what can only be described as a Holy Spirit encounter. You see, what had happened is that the, the Chinese man had come to the Friday evening meeting to find out how the minister knew how to speak his local dialect of Chinese. He had had the whole conversation in Chinese, and then when he turned to the next customer, he'd spoken in perfect English. And the Chinese man could not believe it, and he was desperate to know how he knew the dialect. Do you know, that's not even the amazing part of the story. The amazing part of the story is that that man came to church again and again and has been a Christian for years. You see, God works through the ordinary situations, but the Holy Spirit is, a, is working at pow, in power today. And he was working in power with the apostles. John 14, chapter, uh, verse 12 says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Do you see that? It's whoever, whoever believes will do greater things than Jesus did. It's not, it's not specific to elders. It's not specific to, well, if you've been a Christian for over 20 years. It's not specific to just women or just men or just children. We are all entitled to do things greater than what Jesus did in the Gospels because we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And if we go back and remember what I said at the beginning, the fundamental is, as Christians, we all have the Holy Spirit within us. So we can all do these amazing things. Maybe you're here today and you're, and you're just, you're uncertain about what I'm saying. Maybe you're, maybe you're a new Christian and you think, Wow, I don't, even, I don't even know what the power of the Holy Spirit is. Like me, for 13 years of being a Christian, you might think, I don't know what the power of the Holy Spirit is. Or maybe you are a mature Christian, but you've just, you're feeling a bit dry, and you've just, you feel like there's some separation between the power of the Holy Spirit and you. Or maybe today you're just desperate for some fresh revelation. We're gonna have a time later where we can pray about those things. Because today it's important that we know and we, we do something about the fact that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. The second half of Acts 1 and verse 8 says this. And you will be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. For those who, who maybe aren't up on their geography, um, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, um, but Judea is the area around the south side of Jerusalem, and Samaria is the area directly north of it. So Judea and Samaria will, will encompass Jerusalem. And there's a reason why Jesus says this, why he's specific about the things, about the areas that he talks about here. He wants us to start centrally, and he wants us to work our way out. It would be a bit like saying, you will be my witness in Bournemouth and in Dorset and Hampshire and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is highlighting the importance of witnessing in our surrounding areas. If Jesus had not listed places and just said, you will be my witnesses uh, to the ends of the earth, there's a risk that, as humans, we would have just gone for a scattergun approach. Where do you fancy go? Bali. We'd just have Christians flying all over the place. Our carbon footprint would be massive. But Jesus is very specific. He says, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, ends of the earth. So my second point, I want to focus on, on six words. And you will be my witnesses. Some of you, and you will be my witnesses. Six words, good. But Jesus leaves us in no doubt that once we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we're to go out and we're to speak the good news of Jesus to other people. And again, it's not an ambiguous message. It's not an uncertain message. Again, there's no qualifying statement. If Jesus had said, and you will be my witnesses once you've done a training course. And you will be my witnesses once the elders have invited you to be on the prayer team. Or, and you will be my witnesses once you've been a Christian for 20 years and you've read the Bible cover to cover. None of those things are in the Bible. The Bible says that we are all witnesses right where we are. As you're sat here today, can you think of any family who don't yet know Jesus? Someone will have popped into your head. Then we're to be a witness to that person. Can you think of any friends or neighbours who live around you that don't yet know Jesus? Well, then we're to be witnesses to those people Maybe it's work colleagues, maybe it's classmates, maybe it's running buddies. Whatever, whoever they are, any person that we come into contact with are the people that we need to witness to. The minister, the, the friend of mine that I told you about, he was just witnessing to people that, that didn't know Jesus. He was just being obedient. And you might be sat here and you might be thinking, Oh my goodness, my stomach's in knots. I'm, you know, the thought of speaking to strangers about Jesus. Gosh, I, I'm not sure I, I can do that. Well, do you know what? I'm that person. I'm that person that when people say, okay, let's, let's go out on the streets and let's tell people about Jesus, 
I'm like this. I'm breaking inside. But the thought of it is just, it absolutely petrifies me. And you might be, like, you might be asking questions like this. What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? What if they're not interested in what I'm saying? What if, what if while I'm talking to them, someone else overhears what I'm saying? You see, the, in, as humans, the fear of rejection is massive. The fear of not knowing what to say is massive. And I've wrestled my entire life with those questions. What happens if they don't like what I'm saying? But you know, fear is Satan's biggest weapon to stop the advance of the gospel. And fear will stop you dead in your tracks. Romans 8, 38 and 39 hopefully will give us some assurance. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Jesus loves each one of us. And when he ascended to heaven, he knew that we need help. So he gave us the Holy Spirit to dwell inside us so that we can do even greater things than he did. And we're to tell others. We're to tell others about that love. And there will be opportunities that come your way. For some people, that will be going to our Southbourne site and be reaching out into the community there. For others, in the past, it's been going to Wimborne or going to, to the adoption at Pinehurst. Some have gone to London, they've gone to the Middle East, and they've gone to India. But for most of us, this is where we are. This is our Jerusalem. Jerusalem for us is in Bournemouth and in Poole and in Christchurch because the people here need to know about the love of Jesus. My time has gone, but I want to leave an opportunity for response because the power of the Holy Spirit is living in us. But you can't leave here today, I, I don't think, without, without addressing the question, where do I need the power of the Holy Spirit to break into my life? Where do I, where do I need that? Maybe you don't yet know Jesus. Maybe you don't know the grace that's on offer to you. Maybe you're thinking, I'm not worthy. Jesus wouldn't want someone like me. If, if only he knew what you'd done or who you are. Well then, Jesus wants you to be entered into his family today. He wants you to be in relationship with him. Can I encourage you? when I'm finished, to come and pray with someone. Come, just come down here to this area. Come and pray with someone. Maybe you're a Christian and you haven't experienced the power of the Holy Spirit recently. Maybe you've just been too busy. Maybe your, your day is just filled and you can't 
offer any time to, to meet with the Holy Spirit. Come down and pray with someone. Maybe you want a fresh revelation of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's something that you need some prayer about. Maybe you can think of the friend or the family member who needs to hear about Jesus. You need some help with that opportunity. You need to know the words to say. You need to have the answers to some of their questions. Come and pray with someone down here. Come and pray with us. Maybe you need healing. Maybe there's something emotional or physical or mental that you need some healing with. Come and pray with us. We all need prayer for something. I need prayer for stuff. I'm gonna be first down here. So if you think, well, I'm not going up there because I'm gonna be the only one. I'm gonna be the only one to begin with. So come down here and pray with us because I need to pray with someone. I need someone to pray for me. And do you know what? When two people pray together, they both feel better. They both feel like they're growing closer to Jesus. Come and feel this error. Come and meet Jesus. Let's get deeper with him.